Hey everybody, my name is Alex. I'm coming at you straight from the perch and this is Lunchbox Radio. So thank you to everybody who's been listening to the podcast lately. If you have not given the last episode um, a listen, definitely go listen to it. It's all about ranking of kings and that's a really fun time. So definitely look forward to that. Um, I did start finally remembering to skip the Sunday edition there will be a Sunday edition coming out this coming Sunday. There was not one last Sunday because I started on it and I thought in quick succession, hey, didn't I say I would skip this sometimes? And also, um, it just wasn't shaped, my thoughts weren't shaping up the way I wanted them to. And on that note, let's talk about what I am talking about this week. And that is a little film that came out on the 18th. Um, and that is Jujutsu Kaisen Zero. Kitaru 12月24日日没と同時に我々は百鬼役を行う地獄映像を描きたくなければ視力を尽くして止めに来い思う三分呪いや王じゃないか凄まじいね。これが特急過剰音量。折本理香の全容か。理香と優太は大人になったら結婚するの。約束だよ。ええ、乙骨優太は呪術高専で預かります。無理だよ、僕。乙骨お前マジで何しに来たんだ。呪術
at least in my case and in the case of this movie. Um, and the reason why that is is because where Jujutsu Kaisen is the anime is an adaptation of the manga proper. The movie is an adaptation of the prequel, which is really less of a prequel and more of a test case scenario story that um, the author, the mangaka, did just to test out the scenario, see what it felt like. Um, this happens pretty often, actually, and every once in a while you kind of catch Shonen Jump in the act of allowing this to happen and of, like, greenlighting new stories and, you know, you read things for a couple chapters and they go away because they're not getting the readership they might like or it's not going the way the mangaka might want them to go. And oftentimes, the way that looks is the stories are initially created with the ability to wrap up pretty quickly if they... If either the manga doesn't like it, or the publisher doesn't like it, or the audience doesn't like it. It gives everybody, like, a quick way out of this whole scenario. But the concept behind the original Jujutsu Kaisen manga, the original four-chapter thing that the author wrote, um, the mangaka wrote, um... felt so unique and so interesting and so uniquely Japanese for a reason I'll get um I'll get to in a second that uh Akatami the Akatami sensei the mangaka in question agreed to just make more just make a whole story but he had pretty effectively told the whole story arc with the, with our main character, Yuta, and his, like, quote-unquote partner, Rika, and um, characters who we would come to meet later on in the, in the series, um, such as Maki, and Panda, and, um, and Tatsumaki, it, or, as well as Gojo. And even and um, I believe the principal is all is even in this. Uh, I forget the principal's name. And of course, you have um, you have uh, you have you have Ghetto, who is the um, main antagonist of the story of this manga and the film. And so he has like wrapped this all up nice with a fairly nice with a bow. In a way that, like, that story could sit there. And he wanted to let that sit there for a couple reasons. A, he didn't want to try and expand these characters when he had already done the kind of whole go ball to the wall thing already. Because that... There's a thing in Shonen anime called Power Creep. And managed well, it... It creates a concept that I, that I, in my mind, call power scaling, which means that the character's power scales appropriately at each interval. And that, and the power scaling 
for especially Utah in um, Jujutsu Kaisen Zero, the manga, and also the film, feel very fine-tuned and very specific. The power scaling for Gojo, for a character, for a character like Gojo, is actually used to set the ceiling for the possibility of how of how hot of how much power someone can have and the floor is self-evidence of like just normal people running around or even like grade four sorcerers and i'll get to grades and how they work in a second because it's important to understanding this the not just the series but the film especially um and the so the power scaling in the original prequel manga it it's pretty perfect and it it maps with the arc really well and it maps with Yuta's growth as a character really well. So he clearly so Akatami clearly wanted to do something where he could restart that power scaling all over again and handle it in a different way that was more aware of how long the the manga or show could continue. And that's how you get a character like Yuji Ichidori, you get a character like um, Kugisaki Nobara, or um, what's his face, uh, or Fushiguro. Gojo is his own thing, and he has his own place in the story, and he has his own reason for existing as the strongest thing in the show, in this show or manga's universe, period. And here, and here's where I want to talk about what the basic premise of Jujutsu Kaisen is, just so we all have like a baseline. The basic premise of Jujutsu Kaisen is human beings give give life to cursed energy. And cursed energy is any negative thought or any negative feeling that kind of like comes out of a person. Cursed energy is essentially bad vibes is the way I'm going to describe it. And the bad vibes are common enough and the same kind of bad vibes come out of enough people where eventually they form curses. And curses are, can be physical things. They can, are, are in this case, displayed as physical things. Or, and uh, like physical beings in the world. But they can be related to anything from like a fear of fire to humanity's fear of itself and in the show proper there is a character who is a curse named Mahito who is the embodiment of humanity's fear of its of itself and of its of interaction with itself and the fear that you interacting with another person could cause you to change it's all pretty metaphorical but what it's all also really um, indicative of is it indicative 
is indicative of a culture in which things like Shinto exist. And sure enough, in this film, is one of the first times that we see the, all the Buddhist imagery in this show kind of used to its fullest effect in the form of Ghetto, who I'll get to a little later. But the idea is that you have a bunch of people learning how to use that cursed energy to protect humanity from from the cursed energy that it constantly produces. And produces in a harmful enough quantity where it can kind of coagulate into something like Mahito. But in the... So it... In Yuji's case, he's kind of like just he eats a he eats a cursed object and become and like inherits a curse and so kind of like a kind of traditional shonen thing. But in this, but in the original story with our main character Yuta, he encounters this. He spends some time in the hospital with this young girl named Rika, and Rika. Become, and Rika and him have, like, this blooming of this, like, first puppy love kind of thing going on. And then at some point, him and Rika are playing on a playground. By the way, spoiler alert for the entirety of this movie. Um, him and Rika are playing on a playground, and Rika gets hit by a car. I don't just mean, like, hit and injured and she goes back to the hospital for a while. I mean, hit and killed, like road killed by a car and they don't tell you this right away but this is what ends up happening this is how Yuji realizes that he created the like special cursed spirit is that Yuji doesn't accept her death not only does he not accept her death but he never accepts her death at any point after, because he had no awareness that he had any control over cursed energy until, until he realized he did. And as a result, Rika isn't allowed to pass on. Isn't allowed to, like, go to the next plane or whatever you want to call it. Go to heaven or whatever. So she becomes a cursed spirit. And she becomes a particularly violent cursed spirit who is very attached to the person she seems to be cursing. And that is... And that person is Yuji. And if anybody tries to harm Yuji in any way, including Yuji himself, she will stop it. And if it's a person aside from Yuji who's trying to do that harm, because Yuji tries to kill himself at some point in this movie, um, off screen they show the result of it, which is a knife twisted up like a pretzel. Rika won't will not kill them, but only if Yuji says please don't kill them. <laughs> Otherwise she will massacre anybody who like just even thinks about picking on him. Or or and definitely if they attack him. You see this just put at, put forth in plain visual English um at the beginning of the film with, uh, like a pack of bullies who come to pick on Yuji. And because Yuji has been 
for all he can tell, haunted by this massive, like, nightmarish spirit thing, he develops this kind of internal, very internal loneliness and fear of the world around him because he's afraid of what the spirit haunting him will do to the world. And eventually, um, the, like, heads of the Jujutsu Kaisen world find him because he's walking around with a special grade cursed spirit attached to him. And say, this kid's gotta get, gotta be killed. That's the only way that this cursed spirit will go away. It's the only way this cursed spirit will stop killing each other. Stop killing people and causing harm to the world. If you're familiar with the anime, you know this was exactly their posturing with Yuji after he ate the finger and after he like became the vessel for for Sukuna. But bear in mind, this, this happened before the Jujutsu Kaisen movie is a prequel to Jujutsu Kaisen. And it kind of sets up a roadmap for the, for the very first encounter that um, Gojo has with Yuji. After Yuji eats the first Sukuna finger. And also the Jujutsu world's like treatment of Yuji until he proves them wrong. And through the through the course of the movie, you're introduced to once again, you're introduced to Maki, you're introduced to um Akutami, you're introduced to Panda, and you're given explanations for um for um, Inumaki, sorry, for in, for Inumaki, and you're given explanation for um, Maki. Ultimately, you're not given an explanation for Panda. And in this moment, is kind of where you start to feel this push and pull of the movie that didn't exist in the manga, especially because. Uh, just because of the way the popularity of the manga worked, most people will encounter the Jujutsu Kaisen manga before they encounter the Jujutsu Kaisen Zero prequel. If you've seen the whole show, you get to... If you've seen the show up to up till now, you get to see... You get, you get the full anime movie experience. Where you get to see all your fa- they make sure they put at least a couple frames of all your favorite characters on screen. You get to see um, Nanami, you know, fighting. You get to see um, Toto fighting. You get to see like you get to see pretty. You even get to see um, Mei Mei, who's the like crow lady, about to start a fight. <laughs> Like, you get to see all of it. 
But if you if you're not familiar with those characters, that's like a kind of clip show scenario, and it's one of the weaker parts of the movie. It's the way they are very clear that they have to show you all the they have to show all these characters because it's the first movie. It's the, it's the first movie in the anime franchise. It's what you do, but they don't give you enough context. And with a character like, say, Mei Mei, if you've only ever watched the anime, you really don't have enough context yet to know what her deal is. You don't even really have enough context with just the anime to know really what um, Ghetto's deal is. And really the person, the person in the show who they're exploring the most with this film is... Um, Ghetto Sanjo, the main, the so far seemingly main antagonist of the series proper. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge, maybe. Um, is also the antagonist of this film. But he is the antagonist of this film in a way that is significantly more direct and in your face than is true in the, in the anime proper. And the reason for that is, is that this is based on the prequel where Ghetto was most likely in Akatami's mind, fully fleshed out and Akatami probably knew what, that, what kind of backstory he wanted to specifically do between Ghetto and um, Gojo. But... In terms of how he wanted to use Ghetto Sanjo as a story piece, he wants him to use him as a kind of like... He wanted to use him as like a wizard supremacist, basically. <laughs> he wanted to use him as like the person who said like, Jujutsu Sorcerers should be of the evolution of man and they should be considered first instead of second. And should, they shouldn't be made to serve the weaklings we've been protecting for, you know, decades and centuries and generations. So he's, it's a kind of, his overarching goal is to kill or persuade you to, persuade you to go over to their side or kill him and take Rika as his, like, and use Rika as a um as as a special as a special grade curse so he can you know wage war on humanity, kill all normal humans, and the only thing left will be Jujutsu Sorcerer. Obviously Yuta isn't willing to do this. And I feel like what do you mean use Rika? She seemed pretty unusable. Ghetto's ability is what's called curse manipulation. And it basically allows him, and this seems insane, but it's true. It basically allows him to be a Pokemon trainer for curses. There's some rules attached to it, but he can basically capture and control and command a curse from anyone, more or less. 
at this point, I'm where I want to get into um, grades. Grades of there are grades of curses and there are grades of sorcerers, from four to special. Special being the highest. A fourth grade sorcerer is like barely more than a normal person. It's pretty common for a first year in the like jujitsu school like system to be a fourth grade to be a grade four sorcerer. Third grade is the majority of sorcerers, meaning that majority of sorcerers are grade three sorcerers and they have abilities and skills, but they are like they're like a beat cop, not necessarily a detective. Um, and this is the like grades that most of the assistants that you meet in the movie or the show are the grade three sorcerers. Second grade sorcerers are allowed to like go on missions on by themselves, and they are given a lot more autonomy. Um, in the show proper, the person who you encounter who is a grade two sorcerer in like the very purest form of the word is Iyumaki. And Iyumaki is allowed to go on missions by himself if they're, like, if if it's dealing with what they believe to be, like, a grade two cursed spirit. And then there's, and then there's first grade sorcerers. First grade sorcerers are pretty impressively powerful and skilled um, with their cursed energy and their cursed technique. So cursed energy is like the raw, it's like the, it's like the chakra and cursed technique are like specific ninjutsu kind of thing. But each person only had, has one cursed technique they use. And then there's special grade. And special grade is made for people who fall outside of the parameters because they have such like such an intense amount and uh, of cursed energy and such a unique way of using it that no one can seemingly counter it or only people of their same ilk can seemingly counter it in the show there are only really at this point you're only exposed to three special grade. And even in the show and in the film, you're only exposed to three special grade sorcerers. The first, of course, being Gojo. Gojo is like the the pinnacle of the Jujutsu Sorcerer world. He is, And in a lot of ways, he is the thing that holds everything in place. And you learn that later on in the um, in the manga, actually. We haven't gotten there in the anime yet. The second one is um, Ghetto Sanjo, and Ghetto Sanjo is not as strong and it and as Gojo is, but he is still like a legitimate threat, and he is no longer classified as a sorcerer because he has done harm to human beings with his. Cursed energy and cursed technique. That means he's now termed a cursed user, which is basically a sorcerer that likes to kill people. And not just curses. And then there's Yuda. 
And Yuda is a spe- what they call a special grade cursed human. Which means that he has a unique ability to manipulate cursed energy. Possibly because he is cursed by a special grade cursed spirit. And then you have um, Panda, who you get the idea probably like a grade three. But then you have Maki. And Maki is part of the Zenin clan, the Zenin family, rather. And the Zenin family is one of the three great, like one of the three or four great houses of Jujutsu sorcery. But Maki was born without... Without any cursed energy. Like, just nothing. Which is exceedingly rare. There are only two people in the story who are born like this. Um, and the first one is her. The first one you meet is her. And the second one you meet is, um, is the Zen, is somebody else from the Zenin clan who ends up being Fushiguro's father. But, um, we're not going to get to him in this. And so she's kept perpetually as a grade four sorcerer because her family hates her, thinks she's a disgrace, and thinks she'll never live up to anything. Even though she is possibly one of the physically strongest characters in the show. In in this show's universe. Like, there's her, and then there's Toji... And then there's Toji Fushiguro, who is um, Megumi Fushiguro's father, who um, is in and out of the story for various, like, story plot reasons. But... So that's the, like, spread of sorcerers. There, and for each sorcerer, there's, like, a corresponding... Um, grade of curse. Now they actually pretty helpfully um, explain with um, like what amount of violence it would take to get rid of the curse. Going all the way up from like cluster bombing an entire country is like the start of what you might be able to use to kill a um special great curse. Um but Ghetto Sanjo's plan here is to, you know, cause a parade of cause a curse a parade of curses and wage war on humanity. And when he attempts to do this he off when he kicks this off. He him and his like family, which is like the like rogue gallery of the show, at least at this point, kicks this off in Shibuya and in um, Kyoto. In Kyoto, you get the Kyoto school fighting everybody. In Shibuya, you get the. You get Inumaki, who shows up, and you get um, a bunch of the first, the, the grade one sorcerers. But key, but the key point is you get Gojo. And Gojo goes to, like, 
face off against his old friend and, you know, classmate and, you know, let bygones be bygones and put an end to it. Although ultimately he finds out that Ghetto isn't there. And Ghetto goes to fight, goes to basically kill and or abduct or abduct Yuji to get on their side so they can win. Which obviously doesn't happen. But I've told you a whole bunch but the about the film, but I couldn't tell you everything about the film without telling you some amount about the about the show. So Get Jujutsu Kaisen Zero follows in the footsteps, really, of the Demon Slayer, Demon Slayer Mugen Train. And the thing with Demon Slayer Mugen Train is, it is intentionally a piece of the story that is right in the middle. It is a small arc from the manga. That instead of doing a, actually, in addition to doing an animated. Um, into doing a short season of it, doing a short animated season, they they made a movie. Originally, everybody always thought they were going to make the movie, and then they were going. The next season that came out would be the um, Entertainment District arc. Now they made the movie and a short, like six episode season, which felt and still feels very weird. Um, but it does expand on it just a little. Um. But the thing that's unique with both Jujutsu Kaisen Zero and um, Mugen Train is that they're not doing something that many, 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 many shonen anime movies have done in the past. It's they're not siloing off all the characters and giving them like a unique, consequence-free adventure to go on. Perfect examples of this are most One Piece movies and most Dragon Ball movies, and most Naruto movies. You're probably noticing a pattern. There are some oddities in all of this. Um, the biggest oddities are usually whenever the original creator gets involved in helping to write the story for the movie. That gives the characters like slightly more weight and slightly more authenticity and gives the world slightly more of that like in the case of One Piece that like Oda flair. So if you want to see a really good One Piece movie that feels like Oda had a hand in it, you can watch um, One Piece Strong World on Netflix right now. It's even dubbed. And that thing feels like Oda is there and writing it. Because he was. But still a... Um, I think the same is true with Film Gold, actually. But feels like a thought experiment. Where... It's like a what-if scenario. But detached from the show... From the main show, what-if. Whereas something like Mugen Train... 
you watch the series up till Mugen Train, then you watch Mugen Train, and then you watch the series after Mugen Train. And with Jujutsu Kaisen, what this show, what this movie is introduced, is it introduced a start, a definite starting point for the franchise in anime form. And that, and what I mean there is, if you were to watch Jujutsu Kaisen chronologically, you would watch Jujutsu Kaisen Zero first. And then you would start in on the show proper. Now, the advantage that Mugen Train has over Jujutsu Kaisen here is, is that Mugen Train, while it is a pretty simple premise, it does not hold your hand very much when it comes to the story of Demon Slayer. It says to you, this is in the middle. If you want to see the beginning, go watch the show, you dumbass. And it makes that very clear. Jujutsu Kaisen, because it is a prequel and because it is its own self-contained thing, Jujutsu Kaisen Zero... can be watched by itself. However, I don't think it should be. And the reason why I don't think it should be is because the, like, the the concept of cursed energy and curses and Jujutsu sorcerers and all this stuff is all pretty... It's all pretty complicated. And the exploration of that stuff in the main series does a lot to give it context. It does a really good job in the main series of showing you these characters who all have these pretty big central flaws, but showing you the fact that they're central flaws that the negative things about them are what give them the ability to do what they're doing. So, a perfect example in a char- in the character Nobar, um, Kugisaki, Kugisaki Nobara, um, who has had a pretty rough time in the manga recently. Um, she is like this, like absolute. Just asshole. Very often. But what that means in, like, in the story context of the show is... She doesn't take shit from anybody. (laughs) And she, and like... By the end of the first season of the show, she is full on, like, in order to hurt an opponent... Driving nails into her own arm. Like, she is a total badass. And everybody in the show is like, she's pretty badass. (laughs) And pretty terrifying. And that, like, but that negative, like, I don't give a shit what you think about me in terms of attractiveness. I give a shit about what I think about me in terms of attractiveness. 
gives her this cast of and give and gives the show the ability to give her this cast of she is valuing a kind of vanity that most of society would scoff at but gives her a unique edge in the show and in the show's like power structure and fighting systems and all that stuff. Jujutsu Kaisen doesn't do a great job at Jujutsu Kaisen Zero doesn't do a great job at explaining those things. Especially as a film. Not, and not just as a, as, as a film, but also as a manga. Because it just doesn't have the space to. And this is the, the other side of the coin of this being a perfect thing for a movie. Because it was written standalone. And it was written as a complete arc. Is because it was written as a complete arc and because it was written as an experiment, Akutami as a creative person was probably thinking like, okay, so people just accept how this works. And if I, if people want me to write more of this, I'll actually go into the explanation. But I won't do it here because it's not a great place to put it. Because it would interrupt the flow of what I'm trying to do here. Of the feeling I'm trying to convey with this essentially short story in manga form. Some of what made it into the film was not actually from the manga proper. It's actually from Akatami's notes. in Liner notes in the um, in-between chapter pages about... You know, Rika and Yuta's relationship about, you know, the way the Jujutsu Kaisen world works. Which I don't remember seeing in the digital edition of Jujutsu Kaisen Zero, but I could be wrong. Um, but by adding in that context, you flesh out Yuta and Rika's relationship. So it makes more sense later on in the film when you see what happens. The other character who this movie is probably... I would say there's three central characters in this film. There is... And I want to be clear. Rika's not really one. The three central characters are Ghetto Sanjo. Yuta. Um, Yuta Okotsu and Maki Zenin. The reason why I say Ghetto Sanjo is because this is the first time when you see Ghetto Sanjo's full personality and like you see all the people Ghetto Sanjo chooses to surround himself with. You see little pieces of his like master plan and you see his like weird um cult that he starts to help him initiate his master plan. And then the and you see him in actual action for the first time. Up until now, if you've only been watching the anime. And even really if you've up in if you've only been watching the anime rather, you haven't seen him fight. You've seen him interact, you've seen him, like, he shows up, but he doesn't actually engage ever. 
And the show does a good job of like being like, be scared of this motherfucker. He's a, he's a scary goddamn guy. But it doesn't like you don't see him actually take action ever. In the film, you do. In the film, he's got his own whole extended fight sequence with multiple opponents. It's probably the it is the best fight in the show, in in the film, and it's the point of the film really. The next main character I would focus on is Maki. And in the reason why I'm saying Maki is kind of the, one of the three main characters they focus on in this thing is because she really is. Yuta and Maki are very clearly set up as an opposite attract kind of relationship. And Maki clearly develops like some some feeling some kind of way not necessarily romantic but like she has definite feelings of some kind for Utah by the end of this by the end of this film and the last one is Utah and the one like world building thing that I think is the most valuable that uh, in this um In this film that it does for um, all of Jujutsu Kaisen is that it involves Yuta. And ultimately you find out that Yuta is like not like cousins 900 times removed with like one of the great and powerful sorcerers of the past who is long dead. And as a result... Yuta actually is a Jujutsu sorcerer. He's capable of being one. And his rejection and his first like use of cursed energy on record is rejecting Rika's death, which caused her to become a special grade curse. But he can also use that same use cursed energy in the same in different ways to use um to become to like become a jujutsu sorcerer proper and basically he has the ability to dissect and copy cursed techniques with a kind of limitless supply of cursed energy and you see that in um practice and they don't really explain it um when he uses a megaphone with um Inumaki's cursed speech um like logo on the side and he just kills like buckets bucketfuls of curses like in a one fellow swoop with like just the word die out of a microphone out of a megaphone and that that introduces this idea that like Nobody knows how many Jujutsu Sorcerers there really are. And nobody knows who could be and who couldn't be. And people could become Jujutsu Sorcerers if only there wasn't this, like, locked-down thing of, like, this arbitrage of nonsense created by, like, three families who are assholes. Um... And that's really, I think, the most interesting part 
the most interesting implication of the film is that like there's just some people who are born with like enough cursed energy to be Jujutsu sorcerers. It it all relative. There and even in the main three families, there are people like Maki who are born with no cursed energy. Only Maki and she she began she begins to say this in they give you the full story background in the series proper but she just straight up tells people like hey I'm gonna take over my family because they were fucking assholes to me and my sister and like I'm gonna kick them all I'm gonna kick them all to the curb and I'm gonna reform my family so like it doesn't matter how much cursed energy you're born with you could you just get to be a normal person or not like be relative be relegated to being a servant if you don't have any cursed energy since that seems to be happening not infrequently in the Zenin family. And setting up that, setting up this, the previous relationships between all these characters really helped set the stage for who knows who and who knows what about who going forward. So when you encounter Maki, Inumaki, and Panda for the first time, they're kind of immediate and like their immediate and kind of super acceptance of Yuji makes tons of sense because their friend Yuda, who's like in a different place doing different things, they do that excuse on you. Was their first experience was like a classmate who could be dangerous and that ended great. Like they are good really good friends with him. Whereas everybody else in the show is meeting Yuji for the first time. It's like, whoa, what is this kid? How are you guys cool with him? Fuck. Um, and so this... I think if this film had a major flaw and a, and a major question is... And maybe this isn't really a concern because um, Demon Slayer is a relatively short thing as far as shonen. Like, the whole canon of Demon Slayer can be read right now. It's not, like, nine million chapters long. I wonder how they're going to expand on short-form shounen action shows like this. Now, what Akatami could do is he could just shift to a different framing device for a similar story. Same way he just did between the story about Yuda and the story about Yuji. Where there's shadows and echoes, but it's not quite the same. He could tell prequel stories about somebody like Ghetto Sanjo before you meet him in before you meet him in even the flashbacks from the story. Or 
about like young Gojo. Like young Gojo would be a kind of interesting thing. Um, for at least a couple chapters. But the way that they did this felt this felt like a great choice for a movie and like it was a perfect like length and amount of content to convert to movie form. But that seemed and they like probably wanted to put a Jujutsu Kaisen movie out into the world. But those seem like the two qualifiers. I don't know that I would do this for any other arc of the any other arc of the manga that I've read so far. It doesn't seem no other arc of the of the manga that I've read because I've read um I think I've read up to chapter one seventeen. No other arc of the manga feels as disconnected and as encapsulated as this does, whereas. The Mugen Train movie felt like it's got, like those chapters had a start and an end. I actually read those chapters right before they um, announced the movie, which I found hilarious because that's a constant thing for me. And it just didn't, like, this feels like they they picked the encapsulated part and they made the movie and now they burned that content. And yeah, they could probably make like a four episode arc to like get from A to B on broadcast. But with some like additional animation on each end to like tie it in bet to best tie it in. But I don't think that I don't think there's a whole lot of opportunity for them to make a movie in a way that makes quite as much sense. But I also don't think that... How should I put this? I I think the movie is a great introduction to Jujutsu Kaisen's world. I don't think it's a great explanation of it. I think that you have to do a lot of, like creative thinking to like get to okay this is what curses are to get to okay this is how this goes okay this is how that goes and because the way they treat curses the way they treat curses and cursed energy in this show is a lot like it is a power system. The way they actually are, it's probably more likely, as the show explains it, it's probably more likely kind of like yokai. Where, if you don't know anything about yokai, yokai are like these creatures that that spring from the imagination of the unwitting public and represent things. Like, yokai... A yokai, I think the yokai that is like an umbrella with an eyeball is supposed to represent every umbrella left in an umbrella holder anytime ever and forgotten. Like that, that's the kind of like weird pie in the sky shit that yokai are like 
designated as. Um, if you want more on that, you can go look up Yokai Watch and see what the hell. And that's actually hilariously why Ghetto Sanjo works so well is because all the cur- like all the curses you see in this show that are like physical thing are physical like creatures or like usually like humanoid in some way creatures that seem like oh yep you could put that in a pokeball that works I I just I want to talk about it because that this property the two very important things First, it continues this trend. It kind of started, actually, Boogie Pop Phantom kind of started it. This trend of using horror elements in popular anime to, like, elevate them to the next level. But the other thing that this does, and I talked about it earlier with um, Nobara, with Kugisaki Nobara's character is it glorifies the negative aspects of a character in a way that haven't ever really been done or explored in anime up until this point. And what I mean by this is, even a character who's as positive as Yuji has these, like, core negative feelings in Jujutsu Kaisen uh, surrounding, like, what a proper death means, like, what it means to live a proper life and die a proper death. You know, what... he can do as a person with the circumstances he's been dealt his, his circumstances, like the fact that he's essentially delaying his own execution so he can help other people. Um, Maki as a character, um, Toto as a character, um, even somebody like um, Nanami in the, in, in the show. Or um, they get into um, Mei Mei a little bit more in the movie where it's very clear that she is solely motivated by money. And even somebody like Gojo, who is so clearly, like, everything Gojo does in Jujutsu Kaisen is a demonstration of what he believes the Jujutsu world should be. And what he thinks should happen next. And he does it because he has the power to do it. And that is very self-centered. I think it's interesting that this... that this show, this property, has become so popular with the kind of, like, exploration of the negative aspects of people that it's had so clearly in the text and the idea of like fighting negativity with your own brand of negativity 
And the, like you eventually get into like positive energy and all this other stuff, but at its core, like this show, like even in this movie, this feels like a bunch of like at their core, not necessarily great people doing good things for the wrong reasons in many cases. And the person who's like the primary villain of this show, of and the primary villain of the show is kind of nebulous, even though it seems to be clearly Gojo or um, it seems to be clearly Ghetto. At times, the show proper can feel pretty like villainless. Like they're not quite one person making all the decisions. But the nice thing about the film is it makes Ghetto the proper vil- the proper antagonist. And what you see is that the the dividing line between him and everyone else is that everyone else is like, yeah, People suck, but that doesn't mean they need to die. (laughs) Ghetto is like, yeah, people suck, so let's kill them. And that's the, like, the fact that that they make the dividing line that thin at all times... And that, like, that dividing line is not taught. It's pretty loose in places. It's a really interesting concept to see play out. And on that note, if you like this podcast, um, new episodes come out every Thursday and sometimes on Sunday. Um, next Sunday, I will be putting out a podcast on a specific genre of anime of specific subgenre of anime um so look forward to that but um make sure you subscribe to the podcast in whatever you're using to listen to me right now and um give it a five star rating um when that is possible and maybe maybe share this podcast with your friends somehow maybe um but until Next Sunday, I have been... Until until Sunday, I have been Alex. This has been Lunchbox Radio. I've been coming at you from the perch. And I will talk at you then. Oh,
力の使い方を学びなさい全てを投げ出すのはそれからでも遅くはないだろう呪われてるやつが来るところじゃねえよくれぐれも死なないよ呪いを解くならまずは呪いを知らなきゃねマジで何しに来たんだ何がしたい何が欲しい何を叶えたいリカちゃん何力を貸して愛ほど歪んだ呪いはないよ存分呪い合おうじゃないか来いでか